0: hi everyone welcome to Nancy's metaphysical world and more my name is Nancy and I host the show today it's going to be a pretty good show it's going to be a little controversy uh, might not be liked by many people might help wake up some other people but my guest's name is Steven Sedoni, and he's an author a filmmaker and he has hosted his own show plus he also spends many hours searching through all the histories of unsolved mysteries so Stephen, welcome to the show
1: Thank you, Nancy. Thank
0: you for having me today. Now, Stephen, let's talk a little bit about you first. Let's talk about who Stephen is. What got you prompted into doing all this research, and how many times you've been in trouble with the government?
1: Well, I got—I got to tell you, it all started back in 1998. I was visiting Montreal, uh, Canada, on a vacation, and uh, I was uh, in uh, a club uh, uh, called uh, the Wax Lounge. Uh, in uh, Montreal, and as I left the club about 1 o'clock in the morning, I was stopped by a car that almost sideswiped me, forced me to the curb, and two guys uh, got in my face, and one wanted to uh, talk to me in Arabic, and I looked over, and I said, I'm American. And then he all of a sudden, he spoke to King's English. The other fellow pulled out a submachine gun, pointed at my face, and they wanted to search my car. So at this point, I wanted to see identification. It was raining like a bandit. I get out of my car, and he reluctantly shows me his ID before I would give him mine, and it was uh, a symbol of the Jewish menorah for the uh, Jewish Mossad of Israel. So my first question to him after giving him my ID at that point, what is the Israeli Mossad doing operating in Canada at 2 o'clock in the morning, stopping an American, you know, and uh, calling me Mohammed? So the other guy still had the gun on me, and he says, well, we're looking for terrorists. I says, well, I think you should be looking at yourselves and not me. He goes, well, we'd like to search your car. I says, only if I can watch. So I did. They didn't find anything in my car, and then they let me go. And I told them before I left, I'm never going to forget your face, and I will be telling U.S. Customs when I leave the country in the morning. I says, because I don't know who you guys are, because I had just passed a police sobriety check, and the police had let me go through, so I knew what the Montreal police looked like. So the following morning, I went to the U.S. Customs, told them, and I found myself a couple months later under surveillance by, the U.S. government, you know, uh, looking at me, following me to work back and forth. And then after a couple of years of this, I uh, see the 9-11 thing happen, and they had a report. The FBI was looking for five guys uh, who had entered the country illegally from Canada that they were looking for who were suspects in a 9-11 plot. They thought there was a terrorist cell operating out of Canada. Lo and behold, I saw the five photos that they were showing on the 6 o'clock news. I remember Tom Jennings was the reporter at the time uh, showing the the news, broadcasting it. And I remember two of the faces, you know, of the five were the guys who stopped me in 98. So the first thing I did after seeing the broadcast, I called up the FBI office in Pennsylvania. They told me I was mistaken. I said, no, I'm not. The next morning, I called up the uh, FBI office in New York. They tried to say I was bugging out. I go, no, I'm not. I said, I'll be down to your office tomorrow. So the next day, I said, no, you know, rather than go to your office, I went directly to the uh, New York papers. I drove from Pennsylvania to uh, Manhattan, which is about an hour and ten minutes from where I lived in Pennsylvania. I lived right across the border. So I went all the way in to see the uh, editor of the New York Times. He wouldn't see me, so I left him a note. Then I went to the New York Post, the Daily News. So I went to like three different papers to make them aware of what was going on that I had information that I believed that these guys were part of that terrorist cell that they were looking for. Next thing I know, two days later, I hear on the news, well, we're not looking for these guys anymore. Well, BS, because I'm looking for these two guys who stopped me at 2 o'clock in the morning because I know what they look like, you know.
0: Fancy, when somebody puts a gun in your face,
1: you do not forget.
0: I wouldn't think so. So let's go on forward from there, Stephen. Now, because you, I've talked with you before and I've interviewed you before, And like I told the people when we first started, this is going to be a little controversy, and that's okay, because I don't mind controversy. In fact, I like it. So we're going to talk about Mr. President-elect Obama and the things that's gone down since he's been in office. So you you have a theory about who he really is. Do you want to tell the listeners who you think he is? Oh, absolutely. I'm going to share with you. Uh, I'm going to start back to last
1: February of 2010. In February 2010, somebody sent me a YouTube video regarding the possibility that Barack Obama posed as Osama bin Laden. So I watched the video. I thought it was a stretch at first, to be honest with you. And then I, I, I come to thinking. I kept thinking. I said, you know, what? Let me put it up to my, my higher self. You know, because usually, being an investigator, I go through looking at things. I always put it out there and see if I can get, you know, into, in, the information from a higher source. And what I got back within, like, four hours was, Stephen, there's two things you can't fake. It's your fingerprints or palm prints. So I said, okay, let me Google what the odds are of two people having the same palm or fingerprints. The odds, Nancy, was $64 billion to one. So at that point, I said to myself, well, if the odds are $64 billion to one and there's only 7 billion people on the planet, then if his palm prints match the palm prints from the photo, then I have a bullseye. So at that point, I got I collected all the photos I could of Osama bin Laden and uh, Barack Obama. What I noticed, I got five different Osama bin Ladens, and they kept getting younger in age. I go, wait a minute. How am I getting five different guys who look like the first Osama bin Laden, but they're all different in age and getting younger and younger? And then finally, when I got to about the fifth one, there was the one with the hand up as though he's pledging for allegiance. And I'm looking, and that was the one the fella had sent me, that he believed Obama posed as Osama in a phony Taliban photo shoot. So now I went, I cropped the photo, I cropped the hand, and then I got every photo I could of Obama to match the palm prints. And what I found out was they were very, very close. And so close that I went and put up a video on it. And this was back uh, in February of last year. And when I did that, on February 22nd, I'm followed in New York City by FBI director himself, Robert Mueller, and his assistant, uh, Joseph Damaris. And I even have their photos to prove it. So I'm standing three feet from director FBI Mueller, and I'm looking at him. I smiled. I took his photo, just like I took Joseph's, his assistant. But what I did was I went, and I made up a YouTube video, and I put up the assistant director's photos and plastered it all over the Internet. Craig listed him, and also I went to every precinct in Brooklyn and gave the precinct in Brooklyn the flyers, uh, guess guess who was following me, the assistant director. So now I made a laughing stock out of him. So Mueller, at this point, I call up his office, and I call up the office of uh, the New York assistant director, and for four days straight, I'm calling them to call me back. And what my question was, Nancy, why are you both following me? But neither one of them returned my phone call, so I realized, you know what? I'm going to hold this in my, in my memory bank. I've got their photos. I'm not going to put out Mueller's photos. I'm going to save them for a later date, like an insurance policy. If I need them, I'll have them later. The following day, Obama was in New York for, uh, he had to address the uh, United Nations. The day he announced the United Nations, above my head, there are two black helicopters and a helicopter with the presidential seal on it, which I have the photo of as well. So at this point, I'm now being followed. This is like uh, now uh, the end of February, early March. They crashed my computer modem three times. They bugged my telephone. It was interesting what they did was they, there was an uh, intercom in my apartment house. What they did was they, they wired from the basement the telephone to the intercom so that way they could hear me coming or going. And then when I called the telephone company to come to resolve the problem because I kept hearing clicks in the phone, he says, we don't know how it happened, Mr. Sindoni, but somehow your telephone is wired to your, your in- intercom. I says well, I know if you guys didn't do it, somebody else must have done it. So I realized that there was, you know, a uh, a, a big surveillance on me. Right after that, uh, when I realized that, you and I had spoken, and we did an interview. This was last year, in April, April 10th, I believe. Uh, and when we did that interview, the morning when you and I were on the interview, I said to you during the last interview, I've had three helicopter flybys outside of the window. I guess they don't want me to do this interview today. But I had been badgered, you know, the whole time there in New York there. Uh, from April to May, uh, I was following on a daily basis every day. They were even trying to give me like a bus pass for next to nothing so that way they could or a train pass to get me to know when I was getting on and off the subway so that way they could follow me in and out of the city. So at that point, I said, you know, i got to come back to the West Coast. So this was like on May 1st, I decided to come back, and I wanted to do some more research on on J.C. Brown. So after that, you and I spoke uh, probably June or July of last year, and I I told you that my computer had been hacked in, in June or July because you and I were talking about doing me doing some work for you. you I know you had the nonprofit uh, school there, and I had said to you that I have to hold off for a couple of days because I'm having a computer problem. So at that point last year... You know, I had to resolve my computer problem, and then they had looked, they were looking for, I guess, they wanted to find the loose photos or whatever I had. So they ransacked the place where I was staying in, in Oregon there, but they couldn't find what they were looking for. Uh, then in August, I uh, was nearly run over by a car in August, and uh, they got close, but, you know, they didn't get me that time. September, last September, uh, now I'm, I decided to, to leave Oregon and go to Shasta because I wanted to go start looking again for. Um, the hollow earth, the tunnels, uh, the the legend of J.C. Brown. So I went back down to Shasta now. And as I get to Shasta again, you know, there's attempts made again on my life. And, uh, you know, luckily, God loves me because I'm still here. And so from September through uh, probably through March, I lay pretty low. And then in April, they started again with the surveillance helicopters. And I, I got a little annoyed. So I did an interview on uh, Trend Center Radio with uh fellow <coughs> Moscow, Vickens Moskova Mus- regarding uh, the identity of Barack Obama. And uh, at that point, I said I was going to come back to New York, but I was on my way to Washington because I wanted to collect a $25 million reward for information on the capture of Osama bin Laden. So in April, uh, the third week of April, I call up FBI Director Robert Mueller's office I leave a message to him and say, Robert, I'm coming to Washington to collect a $25 million reward because I believe that Barack Obama has posed as Osama bin Laden, and I can prove it. So on the 27th of uh, April, I put out a video called uh, The uh, the Real Slim Shady Movie, which shows Barack Obama posing as Osama. Three days later, on May 1st or 2nd, they decided to kill bin Laden off because I had just bought a... Uh, a train ticket to go to Washington, D.C., so that way I could go collect the reward. I was going to make a big stink of it. So uh, some people might find it hard to believe, but I put an end to the the bin Laden, and what's funny is because the way they had to kill him off, it doesn't even make sense. I mean, even a a bad script writer could have came up with a better scenario than they did.
0: What's really funny about the killing of Osama, because people send me things all the time, and... At least 10 different people sent me some information that actually Osama bin Laden had died back in, I believe it was 2001, of some kidney ailments, an incurable disease of the kidneys. Now, I can't prove that by any means, but I have to agree with you that what they put out on the news absolutely makes no sense. And the way they kept trying to deny different things and not put it out right away also makes no sense. And the part of burying him at sea makes totally no sense. So well, maybe it, it, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. go ahead and explain that.
1: Well, what happened was when they did that, I put out another video called The Boogeyman. You know, like, who's next? The Boogeyman. And I and I do voiceovers' and impressions. And I did a voiceover impression of George W. Bush, you know, uh, with... Uh, Bin Laden talking about now that Sindoni's exposed the plan, who's next, the boogeyman? And George Bush gives uh, Barack Obama ideas for who's going to be the next boogeyman, you know, because now that Sindoni pushed forth the issue, so you guys had to kill off the make-believe Bin Laden, let me give you some tips, pointers, who might be next. So I make a joke at it, and I call up, uh, again, the FBI director's office, call me. We need to talk. So I'm badgering him at this point. This is, you know, in June. It's okay. I can't collect the 25 million dollars, but you know, I'm going to give you a piece of my mind because I still have your photos, and I even like did up a video where I I was going to sell them on uh, that uh, eBay. I was going to auction off his photos and the assistant director's photos on eBay. You know, I like okay, you got you want to play? We'll play. I can't get my 25 million dollar reward, but you know what? I'm going to have fun with you because I don't fear you because I'm going to. We get, by the time we get done with the show. I'm going to lay this all out to show everybody that I was, I'm, I'm a thinker. So now, after this, I uh, decided I'm going to contact John Boehner, uh, of the House Speaker, which I did in the last two weeks. And I contact John. John, we need to talk because uh, we have to start the impeachment process of Barack Obama. He emails me back, you know, a generic email. You know, thank you for the, you know, for the response. Dr. da You know, con- con- contact my forum. He says, you know what? I'm going to put out another YouTube movie directly and speak to him. Two days after that, this is last week, I call up Obama's headquarter office in Chicago. So I've been calling up for two weeks, talking to the supervisors, telling them, you need to see this video because the man that you guys are representing, he's a dead horse. He can't win this race because he's posed as Osama Bin Laden. Now let me tell you what video is going to go viral because this guy, Before 2012 happens, he's not going to be able to run for this race. I'm going to make sure he doesn't run for this race. If I have to go to Chicago myself and stand there and let everybody know that he's not who he says he is, the man is worth a billion dollars. And I'm going to get to how he's worth a billion. But I'll just say that his 2008 campaign, he had more money than God that he used to campaign An astronomical amount of money. Everywhere you looked, Obama's name was planted, poster, ads. I'm surprised it wasn't on bathroom toilet tissue. It was everywhere. So when I saw this, I go, this man has got deep pockets. And everybody else, you have a budget when you run for president. There's so much money that you know you campaign, whatever. And you have to disclose whatever it is. And there was a very disparaging amount of money, I thought, compared to what John McCain was spending. I said, wait a minute, John McCain, either he set up to lose, or the people running his campaign must be simpletons. So right there was a red flag for me, and someone had asked me, they said, what do you think about, about Barack Obama? And I said, you know what? If I stop being followed, if there's less attempts on my life, or no attempts on my life, and no helicopters, no this, my computer not being crashed, then I'll say, you know what? I like Barack Obama. But until my life changes... I I don't think it's going to change. I mean, he's offering change. Let's see what happens. So I was reserved at that point, but when, I, as I said last year, when I got that email about take a look at that video, that's why I did that. And then I got on your show and a couple other shows. And uh, this year, and right after, right after August, right after in, in July, when I contacted the FBI director, I said, you know. I want to let this go because a lot of people, you know, are finding it hard to believe what I'm saying. So I said, you know what? Let me ask the universe the paradoxical question: Who is Barack Obama? I put it out, and three days later, I got the hit, the download, where to look, what to do, and what I'm about to share with you is what I found out. And what I found out is indisputable, can be proved. Without a shadow of a doubt, and I will give you all the reasons why. We can go into that. And you have some questions. I will. I will go through. If not, if you give me five minutes, I will go through Barack Obama, the deception itself.
0: Yeah, let's let's go through that because I'll tell you right now, Stephen. There are probably a lot of people listening, going, "This man is absolutely crazy. He's got to be nuts. He's just got to be wanting to make a name for himself." I mean, there are probably many comments going on right now. So. Yes, please go into it so that when they're listening to this, they're not hearing this man's got to be crazy. You know, my theory is if that people have to do some thinking and they actually check into things for themselves, they will find out that a lot of things that have been said could possibly be true or it can be disproved. So go ahead with yours. Let's do
1: this. If everybody listening would grab a pencil, a pen, and write down what I tell you, then after the show is over, you all can research what I'm about to tell you. Because once you write this down, you're going to go look for yourself. Because when I'm done with this interview today, Nancy, some people say I'm done work, I'm going fishing. Once I put this out there, there's very very little more I have to say because I'm not a judge nor am I a jury. I am giving you the information based on what I believe is to be factually true. The places people can look, the first site I'm going to
0: give them, is theobamafile.com. Okay, theobamafile.com. Now, I've never heard of it, so this should be interesting. Okay, well, that, that, is, that is the first one. The second one is hoax
1: of the century. H-O-A-X of the century. O-F-L-T-H-E century.com.
0: Okay. So if, the if they go thing, to that...
1: There's if a, they okay. go to that, what they're going to see is the the Indonesia-Thailand connection with Barack Obama and why what I'm about to tell you is true. The third thing you can look at is to see where money is stolen. Now, you know, I'm going to show you where the money is. Uh, People can Google. It's P-I-G-F-O-R-D versus Glickman, G-L-I-C-K-M-A-N. So those are the three research sites I want to preface right off the bat. If people want to know more about everything that I talk about, then they can go to my YouTube site, which is my last name, S-I-N-D-O-N-I Productions, P-R-O-D-U-C-T-I-O-N-S. And I also have a website, which is my name, Stephen, S-T-E-P-H-E-N, S-I-N-D-O-N-I.webs.com. Now, I'm going to start with this. I'm going to share who he is, why he is, what he is. But then I'm going to tell you where the money resides. And once I tell you where the money resides, you'll see what this is about. So I'm going to preface this right now. It's about opium. It's about drugs. It's about an illegal network around the world. And that is why the truth will never come home and there will always be a war. I'm going to preface that there. Now, how does Barack Obama tie into that? I'm going to tell you how. In 1946, right, there was a man by the name of Bohunabal Aduyade, and he's born in Massachusetts in 1927, Cambridge. His brother at the time was the king of Thailand. The CIA, Dulles, and George Bush specifically, talked this man into killing his brother, who was the king of Thailand, in 1946, and he then ascended to the throne. Once they put Bahumabal Aduyadev on the throne of Thailand, they now set up the Crescent Triangle Connection for Drugs between Thailand, Burma, all the countries, Vietnam. So now, from 1946, before the war started in Vietnam, in 1963, when it was officially declared in the 60s, we had already been in, in uh, Vietnam as an advisor. What we were doing was setting up a drug network, and, and King Bahumabal was now, because Thailand is number two and number three in opium production as well. So now, with the help of Bush, they put this man in power. They now have the drugs coming from Thailand, Vietnam, Cambodia, and all these countries. But what they did was, they now funneled the money from the United States into Thailand, because now that the is president, they can now use the Thailand banks. And what they did was, there were three banks. In, in the United States. There was J.P. Morgan, Citibank of Thailand, and Bank of America. These are the only three, mo- three banks that could transfer money to Thailand. In Thailand, there are three banks that have the most money. There's three banks. There's the Bangkok Bank, the Siam Commercial Bank, and the Krungthai Thai Bank. And each one of them have an average of 25 to $40 million. So what they did was, they took the drug money, they funneled it into Thailand banks, and that was the first step in the process. Later on, when George Bush, who was in the CIA, became president, he then, there was a, uh, called the, uh, it was the Banking Act, where he was bailing out the savings and loan industry. He stole $300 billion in that, bank, that banking scam, and the money was funneled through J.P. Morgan, City Bank of Thailand, or Bank of America, to the three Thailand banks that I mentioned. And it, without the American people being wise to it, since 1950-something, money is being laundered through the Thailand banks, through Aduya Aduyadev of Thailand. And the wars, the Vietnam War and all the wars since have been a diversion. Now, how does Barack Obama fit in this? I'll tell you how. In 1960, Aduya Aduyadev visits the White House, and you can go to statedepartment.gov, and it can show he was there in May. He visits there in May, but he brings his wife with him, and they spend a month in the United States. But the first stop they make is in Hawaii. Interesting. Why Hawaii? Because they had to drop off newborn Barack Obama. Now, here's what happened. Right after that, in October, President Sukarno of Indonesia now visits the White House. Why? Why? Because now what they have to do is establish where is that little Barack going to be. Well, we've got to get him to Thailand. But first we had to bring him to the United States. But Sukarno has to agree now that when he does get to Thailand, that he's got cover. And that way they can get this scam going. So now they leave the country. The baby is with Ann Dunham. Ann Dunham was the surrogate mother. Let me explain Ann Dunham's situation. She was in college. She meets Barack Obama Sr., Barack Obama Sr. was a foreign exchange student. Interesting enough, the first year the exchange student program from Kenya was set up, he was one of the first to come over. They used him as a pawn. He meets Ann Dunham in school. She tells him that she's pregnant. But Barack Sr. is already married. He's got a couple of kids. So he doesn't tell anybody that supposedly he knocked up Ann Dunham. He ends up transferring from the school in Hawaii to go to Harvard a couple months later. He never sees the birth of Barack Obama. He probably never seen a belly on Ann Dunham, but he was told she was pregnant. He goes to Harvard, and not long after he goes to Harvard, he's told by the school administration that his scholarship has abruptly terminated, not giving him a reason. He's now sent back to Kenya. He's humiliated. He, he's like, this is his American dream. Now he's in Harvard. What does he tell his family when he goes back to Kenya? So now he goes back to Kenya, he starts drinking heavily, he's having problems keeping jobs, and he's under the impression that this child supposedly is his, but yet he's got a couple of wives already now in Kenya. So at this point, Ann Dunham goes, he leaves to go back to uh, Kenya, uh, she's in Hawaii now, she goes to the courts, and she applies for a divorce. a divorce now, right? The divorce papers that you can find on the internet, on that site, site that I gave you, there are pages that are scrubbed. There is no marriage record for Barack Obama Sr. with Ann Dunham, nor is there a birth certificate, a record of his birth there. But yet, there's a, a, a divorce certificate. Now, interesting enough, he he does he's not he doesn't appear for the divorce proceedings, which isn't unnatural, but he's never informed that the, that there was even a divorce. So now. He's on. He doesn't even know this. Ten years later, well, then after that, Ann Dunham marries Lolo Satoro, and that's where Barack ends up in Indonesia. And the reason he's in Indonesia is because so now King Bhumibol and Queen Sirikit can visit their son, their son, while he's in Thailand school. So this is how it all filtered out. So Ann Dunham never gave birth to Barack Obama.
0: Okay, so what they've shown on the internet and all over the place is to try to prove that his birth certificate is very fraudulent and that it couldn't be and many people have figured out different methods of figuring out that it's not authentic however most of the American people will accept whatever facts that they want to pass out to us which is sometimes very unfortunate and sometimes maybe it spares them who knows so what you're saying is that he was actually born in Thailand to this other couple and I believe that if they, people really wanted to have this checked out, they could easily do all of the proven by having a DNA report. However, knowing if the government has anything to do with it, the DNA report is not going to come out to be truthful. Would I right. be safe in saying that?
1: Yes, you okay. would be. They, they, they can doctor the results. So, so uh, Just like I they think did the old, birth certificate. Right. Yeah, uh, yeah there's, there's a lot of experts who look at the birth certificate, and they've debunked that as it's not official. I mean, even the one he first put out, said the uh, uh, race of the, uh, the the father, it's an African. African is not a race. It's either black or white or it's uh, Negro or Negro or Caucasian if you're white. So the first birth certificate they put out there, they, they raised the father African. I mean, come on now. A third grader would, would know not to put that. So they screwed up royally on the first time with that, and it was on a, 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 zero, uh, a laser printer. They didn't have laser printers back in 1960 or 1961. I mean, so this is like a bad script. You know what I, what I call it? I call it a bad script like they gave Jesse Ventura when he was a wrestler. And I said, Jesse, just read the script. You know, so these guys who work for the CIA, you know, can't be that bright because when I look at all these facts, I mean, I can pick this out very easy. And the reason why I can pick this out is because I know, I've been looking at this since 1963. The day that the teacher told me in school that Kennedy got killed, and I went home and I talked to my grandfather who said, watched the news. He said, it didn't happen the way they are saying it. And from that day as a 10-year-old boy, Nancy, I wanted to look into this because if it looks like a fish and it smells like a fish, it's probably a fish. And I knew something was fishy and something stunk at that point. And I said, you know what? Through the years, I'm going to figure out why. And how I figured out the why was when I got a little bit older and it was time to be drafted for the Vietnam War. And the Kids in 1970, they, got, uh, they were killed for protesting. So at that point, when the state troopers killed the kids at Kent State, the people got pissed off, and they said, you know what, we, want, we don't want a, uh, a draft anymore. We want a lottery for the last two years. of war. We don't want this war anymore. So I ended up to be in the last uh, next-to-last lottery drawing, and uh, luckily enough, my number was too high. I wasn't called. But just before that, a lot of my friends who had been a little older who were coming back from Vietnam, were coming back drug addicts, coming back uh, wounded or whatever, so I talked to some of the guys who came back that really screwed up, and I said, you know what happened to you? The guys were telling me that the job that they gave them over there was to guard the poppy fields. so poppy fields, oh man, you, you can't believe the drugs. And, like this is what we're doing over there. This, you know this is bullshit. this is about this is about opium. And here I am, 17 years old. I, says, I got it. I got it. so now I'm watching this whole thing, and I'm saying, you know what?" Let me look into this opium thing, because, you know, opium is in a lot of things, a lot of hospitals, a lot of drugs. And I go, wait a minute, they're, they're making a lot of money. I mean, they're making people addicts. That other, there are a lot of things that you buy over the counter or drugs, prescription drugs, that you've got these chemical names that you can't even pronounce. And it makes me wonder, are they putting some, some small percentage of opium in these things to addict people? And then I go, wait a minute, where are these pharmaceutical companies located? Well, lo and behold, they're all in Germany. Interesting enough, they're not in the United States. They're out of the country, so they can't even be slapped, you know, for for fines or whatever. And then you got the Federal Food and Drug Administration, which is the government, telling people who, who have health food stores, you know, we're going to come in there and confiscate all your stuff because there's no opium in it or, or you know, it can't addict people or it, it can help people. So I start looking at some of the things like, wait a minute, I'm outside of the matrix. I'm not in the matrix. So I see things a little different, and I guess I see it a little different, Nancy, because I'm not – Chasing the carrot. I'm not, you know, like looking at the mundane things. I'm not watching Monday Night Football. I'm not watching Wheel of Fortune. I'm not watching a baseball player who makes a million dollars for hitting a stupid little ball around. You know, I'm looking at life, and life to me, that's not life. To, to dumb me down, where I can't even open my mind up. So wait a minute, it doesn't work that way. So when I look at things, I look at them open-mindedly because the mind is like a parachute, Nancy. And for anyone listening, it only works if it's open. And The moment that you say, I don't believe you, I'm going to attack you, then you're really shallow because you haven't researched it. You you haven't even attempted to look at what the message is. Your ego comes in, oh, well, I know more than you. Well, no, you don't because you didn't research it. If you knew more than I did, then you profess some points rather than to attack the person who's trying to give you the benefit of sharing information that might help you and your children and your grandchildren. This has been going on, like I said, from 1920, and most people don't realize, Nancy, that in 1920 there was a terrorist attack in New York, and the attack was in front of Wall Street, in front of the J.P. Morgan Bank. Now, why this is important today, because uh, FBI Director J. Edgar Hoover was a junior detective at that time, and he was on that case. They never found who the guy was who set off the bomb in front of the J.P. Morgan. A lot of people got hurt. But what they did was they were trying to extort, trying to strong-arm blackmail the bankers of J.P. Morgan to now let them infiltrate their bank so that way they can create this money laundering scheme. And that's why J.P. Morgan today is one of those three banks today, because in 1920, they went and they blackmailed them to get that bank. And then later on, Prescott Bush was indicted for for, uh, uh, funneling money for Nazi Germany's Adolf Hitler. So there's a connection to Nazi, Bush, and Bush is very powerful. And that's why this has been very, very hush-hush, because he's probably one of the most powerful men in the world, and he's able to stifle things. And a lot of the attempts that have happened on my life was because of what I say specifically about him that I now have more ability to prove. I mean, getting back to Barack Obama, one of the clues was interesting. He's now uh, in the uh, first grade, first or second grade, and he tells his teacher in an essay that he's going to be the president of the United States, which I found that's a great thing to be. But he tells his next teacher, when he's in Indonesia, he writes a uh, essay there that he's going to be the president of the United States. So I find that very interesting. that here he is, as a young boy, telling people he's going to be the president of the United States. What the main clue was that got me really excited was in his high school in Hawaii, he went to a school called the the Punahou High School, and behind the high school cafeteria, in the concrete cement, he himself put in the concrete the words, King Obama. He was telling people that he was the son of a king back in high school bragging. So that, to me, set it off for me. And then what you think was interesting his school records, his school records for his kindergarten records in Hawaii, mysteriously got lost. They can't find his school records in Hawaii. So, he's already it's already been proven that his birth certificate's been a forgery. And the the the, the Pigford Glickman case I gave you, there was 1.25 billion dollars stolen. Barack Obama, while he was a senator, wrote one bill in Congress, and that bill in Congress is the one that I'm citing, the Pigford versus Glickman, where there were black farmers who had a case where they were suing the government for, uh, for being denied loans. And 440 of them came forward. Later on, Barack Obama reopened up this bill, and 440 became 86,000 claims. Now, okay. which was, was, was interesting. There were only 36,000, 36,000 farmers across the whole America. But Barack put the bill into 86,000. So there it was. He was caught stealing. And uh, American people, like, they're asleep on this.
0: Well, again, a lot of people listening are probably going to go, this man is just so full of bull. Where does he come up with his facts? My thought is, Stephen, is that a lot of people who voted for Obama are very much probably upset with the way things are turning out because during his campaign it was like change this and hope and all that. But the thing is is that most of his cabinet members that he – Put back in there, we're already in there. So there really wasn't a change there. So, why would they want Barack Obama to be president? How How is that going to help out the Bush? How is that going to help out Easy. anybody? Well, here,
1: here, here's how it helps The King Ball of Thailand is the bank launderer for uh, George Bush with the money going from the United States into Thailand. The King is 82 years old now. When he dies, he has a son whose name is Prince Vajalongkorn. So Prince Vagilongkorn and Barack are the two sons. So one of these two guys has to keep the money going for the, for the drug money to go into these Thailand banks, and that is why Barack Obama was chosen to be recruited to be the president of the United States so they could keep this opium network going for the next 40 or 50 years or whatever. And, and and one of the reasons why Bahumabal was able to, to allow his youngest son, Barack Obama, to be used is because throughout history anytime there were two two sons in a family, one always killed off the other one jealous because he wanted to ascend to the throne. So because Aduyadev killed his brother to ascend to the throne in 1946 with the help of CIA, CIA he knew that Barack Obama and his brother Badger Longhorn at some point would have killed each other for his for his throne later on.
0: Okay. So Bush... I'm taking – it has a lot to do with Barack being where he's at today, although Bush is a Republican and Barack is a Democrat. Is that it's not, not true? about. It, it's, yeah, it's, not, it's not about – they're one party. People don't realize they're one party. You know, I'll, I'll give you an example.
1: If you were going to go to a horse race and there are only two horses in a race, you wouldn't bet any money on it because somebody could fix both both horses or a prize fight. So if I own both of the candidates – then I could shift policies however I want. Here's all they want, Nancy. Regardless of who's present, all they want is to keep the troops overseas so they can keep the opium network going. They don't care. That's what they want. It doesn't matter who's in power as long as they have the opium network in place. They use the U.S. banks, which I mentioned, to the Thailand banks, and the drug money keeps going. Anybody listening could do this. Go to Google and search Thailand Thailand is more built up than New York City or L.A. or any city in the United States. Where did they get that money? And, and when you look at the photos in Thailand, Nancy, they're in the U.S., they're in English. Everything is in English. So I'm looking at this like, oh, my God, how did they build this third-world country to look better than any city in the United States? Where did this money come from? It doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out. It's about opium. It's about drugs. And I'll, I'll tell you this. You know what big George Bush's nickname was, George Herbert Walker Bush's nickname since the 60s? His nickname is Big Poppy.
0: Poppy for Poppy Field. (laughs) That can make a lot of sense. All right, so we'll go with that for right now, Stephen. Why did 9-11 happen, in your opinion?
1: Oh, I know why it happened. It happened so that way they could get the troops over. In, in Afghanistan, Afghanistan now is the largest producer of opium in the world now. They went from number 10 to number 1. And right now we've got over 10,000 troops, our troops and CIA, Mossad troops, that are guarding the poppy fields. That's why. And they're increasing the production. The drugs will go from uh, from Afghanistan, make their way back to Thailand, to Bangkok, and distribute it all over the world. That's what this is about. I could, you know, this, is, this is an easy case to prove, Nancy. So all you got to do is go. Go ahead. Can, no. All no, you got to do. do is. All we have to do is go to J.P. Morgan in New York, Citibank of Thailand, New York, and Bank of America New York of Bank of America New York. Those two banks and audit them and see where the wire transfers are going. Especially now, because Barack just passed this, this debt ceiling increase. The money is now going to be funneled to Thailand, and all these senators who vo- voted for this are getting kickbacks into some account, private account which is in Thailand, using a a SWIFT system, eight to 11 uh, uh, characters, where the money is transferred from these three banks to the three Thailand banks that I'm telling you. So this is all about keeping the war going. Right now, they've got a guy in place so they can steal the Money can be laundered. And he already stole, as a congressman, $1.25 billion. Now, he writes this budget that is also going to Thailand. All these people who sided with him they know that they're going to get paid. You know, congressman only gets paid 200000 senator gets paid like $200,000. But when their time is done, when they come out of office, every one of them are worth millions. And they all invest with J.P. Morgan and other stock companies. And I'm looking at this. You know what? If you can follow the money and you see where the money goes, then the buck can stop right here. Right now, if everybody got together, and I have on my site, it's called the Reform Act of 2011. We all contact 20 people, then like in 1970, we got the law passed to vote, the 18-year-olds to vote in, in three months and eight days. If we go in and stop these congressmen, these senators, for the bills that they pass and things that they, that they pass without our approval, then we can stop the nonsense now. We have to bring the troops back home. If we bring back the troops back
0: home, then they're going to have to go out themselves and guard their own property fields. Well, the problem is, is you know, that that's not going to happen because they will constantly keep us in the state, quote, a terror, thinking that somebody is going to try to get us, and people won't like what I'm going to say, but to me, the United States has been proven over and over again to be the biggest terrorists there are, you know, with what they have done, with all the history, if people would just go back and check all the things they've done, if somebody doesn't agree with us, they suddenly disappear, or they're killed, or Some kind of an accident happens. So history is going to continue to repeat itself until the American people decide that they really want their constitutional rights back, which we don't have, have not had in many, many, many years. And yet we sit here and we listen to the boob tube and we listen to the radio and the media tells us this and the media tells us that. When in reality, I tell people, turn off your TVs, turn off the radio, trust what you're feeling, follow your gut, you'll find out the truth. However, people are very lazy. So do you think, Stephen, if there was, say, a massive group of people who decided to do, quote, a revolution, like a a revolutionary war, do you think that would help? Do you think that would wake up people, or do you think that it would get squashed very quickly? Well, I don't think it would get squashed quickly. Here's the visions I get, you know,
1: and I'm going to use uh, their propaganda man's words himself, Jesse Ventura. Here's a guy who was a wrestler, read a script. They made him an actor, hung out with Schwarzenegger, another a Skull and Bones guy. Next thing you know, he becomes governor just like Schwarzenegger. So he, they, they make people bigger than life. But what, what my point is, he had a book that says, don't, you know, don't start the revolution without me. You know. So here's what I'm going to say to people. I envision just what's happening in England right now. You have people that are, that are now going flipping out in England. And why has that happened? There's no jobs now. And the people initially, when they were brought to that country, were collateral damage. Let me tell you what I mean. Uh, you need taxes, you need people, you need collateral, so they bring in a lot of people abroad to become citizens so now because they want them to work because they want them to tax them, but because of the opium and all the drugs that they 're doing, all you know, these people now ended up on drugs and all these people having children and now the second generation are probably all whacked, and these people now are turning against them and they 're burning stuff in England because these drugs that that, that, they, put, that they put in these other drugs now messed up all these people's minds so the people that they're trying to enslave now are enslaving them so what i see here the answer to your question is this is that if people go to washington i don't believe that the civil war would restart here's my point i think the military would be there they would bring in the police the police would want to do something and the military says screw this we're siding with the people. I'm not killing my cousin, my uncle, my nephew, or my brother, or my significant other. I don't I, I believe that, that the President of the United States is not he's an undocumented worker. I don't believe he's even an American. I can't kill you because I can't side with this anymore because I can't live with myself knowing that I'm gonna have to go against someone who's no different than I am because they they have a different viewpoint and they might they might be right. So I see these military down their guns and
0: siding with us. Um, that's possible. I mean, I'm sure that's possible, but it's still going to take the American people to start something. And as long as they stay not saying anything, as long as they say, you know, he's our savior, you know, he's going to make it all right, as long as they keep that belief going on, I can't really see them doing anything that's going to rock the boat. So, well, you know, here's
1: what, here's what I think. I think that right now,
0: people are a choice point
1: if you could either be proactive or reactive either you do something about it or not you know there's an I used to be saying in New York if you see something say something I take it a step further if you see something say something and then by God do something so what I'm doing today is I'm putting it out there for everybody to at least know do your research do your homework because if you're not happy with the way things are then they're not going to get any better because they're telling you you've got you know, the head of the Federal Reserve Bank telling you, it's going to get worse, it's going to get worse. Wait a minute. How can things get worse if you guys are paid to, to, to get us back on track? We've got a runaway government, and somebody has to be driving this vehicle. There's nobody driving the vehicle, and a guy who's driving the vehicle doesn't even have a U.S. driver's
0: license. That would be true. See, and my thought is, Stephen, is that people themselves need to really take a look around and see what's really been happening to our wonderful United States and how they had been sold down the river several times over. And, again, it keeps repeating itself. I also think that the American people, in their own way, are very tired, but I don't think they know exactly what to do or how to uh, do it. That's
1: why I'm saying what to do. Reform Act of 2011, go to my website. Everybody contact 20 people. I've got John Banner's phone number. I will go with them personally to meet with John Boehner and myself and talk to him. And I'll say, okay. get off the, I'll say, get off the golf course and do your job. The American people want change. We want it now. If you can't do it, don't let the door hit you on the way out. That's what's yeah. got to happen. We have to make them accountable. You know, their job that they have, Nancy, is not for a lifetime. It was, the four, our forefathers in 1776 wanted legislators to come in for four eight years and then go back to work. Not to be, you know, like, grandfathering for 40-year terms. Because anybody who has a job for 40 years or something, they figure out ways to steal. We need guys one or two terms in, out, and not looking for loopholes so they can have these million-dollar 401ks or a bank account in Thailand and figure out ways how to screw the American people. The buck has to stop now. I mean, this budget, there's no reason, no reason that we should have to foot this bill. No reason. All we have to do, Nancy, is bring the troops home and... We've got troops, Nancy, in over 100 countries. If you look opium all over the world, we've got troops, over 50,000 troops better, in about 10 places around the world, guarding opium. I'm a little annoyed, Nancy, that people don't realize that if they have children, come home tomorrow and find your kid on drugs. You can thank George Bush and all these guys that your kid now is either dead or dead. On drugs or lost in
0: space, or all of the above. The other, my my other thought was when they were talking about cutting all of these different programs and stuff. My my first thing, and I actually sent it to them. I put, if there's cuts to be made, why don't you cut your own salary, your own benefits, and then when we the people decide that you have done your job. We can give your benefits back. And why don't you have the same benefits that you're passing out to the American people instead of taking yours off the top and giving out very little to the American people? I sent a letter in to them. I, of course, didn't get a response back. So, But, you know, I was just asking the questions about, you know, if things have to be changed, why can't it come from your pockets first, you know, type thing. And I'm not really expecting to get an answer back, but I would like the American people to take a look at that thought. If they are actually paid to run our company, our country, then why is it that we're paying them to destroy our country rather than taking away their stuff and making them, like you say, accountable and then if they run the country really the way it should be ran and the american people start to get back their jobs they start to get back the money the educational system is better the drugs do not flow free then and only then should our elected officials be paid I think You're that's right. important
1: well I agree and you know I'll, I'll just add something to that any business is run at a profit you can't go to a bank and borrow money on a losing, you know, you don't have collateral if your business is not running good. How can you run a government and be in debt? No one should even loan you money. But the reason why the Federal Reserve Bank loans the money is because they're an illegal private company who started, and uh, this this illegal company gets interest from the moment the U.S. borrows the money, which means that U.S. can never go out of debt because they can never repay back the Federal Reserve Bank. So this is all a scam. And President Kennedy was killed because in 1963. He decided he was going to back uh, our currency with silver. And so he started printing uh, uh, one, two, five, ten, and twenty dollar bills. And uh, he was backed. There was like four billion dollars worth of silver in the Treasury at that time. Well, four or five months after he he went forward with the new currency, because he wanted to do away with the Federal Reserve Bank, they shot him in Dealey Plaza.
0: Stephen, we're almost out of time. Give out. Your website and give out the three other sites that you were talking about during the program.
1: Okay, Uh, the uh, first site they can go to look up this information is hoaxofthesentury.com. The second one is the Obama file. The third one is the Bush Nazi connection. They can uh, go to my YouTube site, Sindoni, S-I-N-D-O-N-I Productions. And I have my other website, Stephen Sindoni, S-T-E-P-H-E-N-S-I-N-D-O-N-I dot webs dot com would be my website. And they can find me there. If they want to know more about the $1.25 billion that I say a Barack stole, just Google Pigford, P-I-G-F-O-R-D versus Glickman. And then do your own research, do your homework. And I just hope everyone listening, there was a comedian, Bill Cosby, I like this, just end with this, told his children, because I brought you into this world and I could take you out. Well, people have to be reminded. You put these people in office, and you have the power to take them out. Take your power back, by God! Take your power back. If you remember anything I've said today, Nancy, American public is listening, or world public, take your power back. Do not live in fear. Do not let them put the bug in your ear. Shut off the TV. Tune out, so you can tune in and say, you know what? It stops right now. I do not buy into this. I do not consent. You're not conning me anymore. And sending
0: my money to Thailand. Do you think that the American people, Stephen, will ever find out the truth about one, the way our government has done things, and two, about our president-elect right now? Well, the whole thing is one of these. Guys, what I'm hoping is that one of these
1: guys will, will contact me, who's retired, who's ready, ready, ready to pass, go to the other side and is feeling guilty about it, say, you know what, let me tell Stephen the truth. He's right about all these things. I, I got to get this off my chest. I can't go to the other side with this information. You know, oh, we've done some horrendous things to the American people. Somebody has to step forward. So I put the message out to all these people who look the other way, who have been part of their secret organizations, their secret groups. It's time to come forward and do the right thing to the American people. Do not let George Bush get away with what he's done to the American people. its time stops, I do not want to see him go to the other side and be rewarded for being the 41st
0: president of the United States. I want to see him in handcuffs and behind bars. You know, it's been said several times, according to some people, that at some point in time in the very near future that all this truth would actually come out. And as it does, they will actually show the politicians, the president's, the ex-presidents, all of them people being led away in handcuffs. But my question is, Stephen, and it gives something for everybody to think about, if that happens, if that handcuff process happens, what then are the American people going to do? Are they going oh, it's to very take easy. control? Here's what, here's what I would do.
1: I would go to every college in America and get these young kids that are graduating and everyone who wants to do the right thing, and I would have them come forward and lead the country. They haven't been tainted. They haven't been dumbed down and they would make the right decisions, and we would have groups that would mentor them to get it done right. A youth of America can step up right now. Anybody can run a business at a loss, Nancy. We need to run it at a profit. This country is a corporation that's being run to the ground. It is not a democracy or a republic. It is a corporation, and every one of us has a social security number, and we're indentured serving, and we're collateral. And from the moment we're born to the moment we die, we're expected to pay all these taxes to them, as indentured servant and we don't even know where our money is going. We can't even audit them. Okay, how did you spend our money? I like to be able to say, I want to know where my taxes are spent. Let me tell you where I like to send my tax dollars to. I don't want to send it to war. I don't believe in war. I want to send it to, I want to use it to this, that, and the other healthcare, whatever. you should have the ability to say where your taxes should be going and know what they're doing with it. They have to be accountable.
0: I think the accountability is real important, but I do really truly believe, Stephen that it really has to have the American people wake up in order to make that possible. One more time, give out your website and your YouTube site so people can find you.
1: Okay, it's youtube.com forward slash S-I-N-D-O-N-I productions, P-R-O-D-U-C-T-I-O-N-S, and my uh, website is Stephen S-T-E-P-H-E-N, S-I-N-D-O-N-I
0: dot W-E-B-S dot com. All right, Stephen, it's been a pleasure having you on again. Keep up the good work. Don't let them get by with anything, okay? So, you no, know, like I said, Nancy, I'm going to tell it the way it really is. I'm laying it out
1: because they 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 have fooled some people, but they'll never fool me. And I'm going to tell you, as long as my eyes are open, I will share with you what I learned, and then do with it what you may. But if I'm right, like I told you in the last interview, then this country is heading down the wrong road. I'm trying to get everybody to wake up so we can go back the right way
0: because fortunately, I'm an optimist, I believe, Nancy, sunshine always follows rain. At some point in time, that will be true. So hopefully the American people will listen. They'll do their part to bring things back the way they should be, and hopefully that will work for all of us. So, again, thank you for taking the time, Stephen, and we'll talk real soon.
1: Thank you for having me, Nancy.
0: You're very welcome. I'd like to thank you, the listeners. May God bless all you. Hope you have a great week, and we'll talk again soon. Take care. Bye now.